Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Last night, after the baptisms, God really was working in my heart, and I couldn't preach what I wrote down. So I can't do the same thing today that I did last night because there aren't 10 baptisms. Like, if you're not familiar with New Life, if you're here for the first time, we do believer baptisms because Jesus said at the end of his life after he rose from the dead, just before he went back to heaven, that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. And then he said, therefore, you all, that is you believers, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And disciples are people who are learning and growing to be like Jesus. And so that means that to be baptized, we believe you need to be able to be a disciple. So there was a pool over here, an eight-foot circle, and there were ten, as I said, ten folks got baptized. And every single one of them, I asked them, first I asked them their full name, first, middle, last name, who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Relying on the Holy Spirit, do you seek to live a holy life? Yes, I do. And then I said, why are you wanting to be baptized tonight? And they gave various reasons. I want to be obedient to Jesus. My life's been a mess, and I want to start over again, and I want to acknowledge Jesus in my life. I, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I just wanted to, to acknowledge before everybody that he's important to me. And, and, and it just went on and on and on like that for ten different people. And, and those promises are so important. And we all probably have made similar promises. We've said Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. Not all of us. I know there's some in the room who haven't done that yet. But most of us have said Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. And most of us have said that we want to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We want to do what we can to advance his kingdom. And there was a guy named Peter that Pastor Brad talked about last week. His name was Simon, actually. Simon Barjona, son of Jonah. And he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And, and uh, Pastor Brad did an outstanding job of talking about how Jesus Christ gives us our identity and shows us our destiny and, and gives meaning and purpose to our lives. And that's what happened to, to Simon, who became Peter, literally Petra, which means rock, the rock on which Jesus would found his church, he said. And in that process, as I was sitting actually right down there last week in this service, um, it came to me. Peter is an example of how God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, we believe as followers of Jesus there's only one God, and he expresses himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And over the years, people have said, explain that. And here's, here's the deal, I can't. I can't explain that. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there's only one God, Jehovah, and that Jesus isn't really God, and that the Spirit's sort of like a vague force, like in Star Wars. And they say if, it was, if their trinity was really true, if there really was only one God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then it would be simple to understand. And I say that's the stupidest idea I ever heard. If there's a God, and there is, and if he created everything, and he did, and if this God wanted to reveal himself to us, then however he wants to reveal himself to us is how he can do it. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in Isaiah. It says this. And Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And God spoke through Isaiah to the people of Israel, his chosen people. And he said this. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So if God's ways and thoughts are higher than us, as high as the heavens are above the earth, then why would we think we could understand him? I mean, I have never figured that out. If, if I'm able to figure God out, then he's not God. 
Because I could create something and figure it out, but if I'm the created one, I'm never going to figure it out. My watch on my wrist, it's not going to figure me out. Well, it's an inanimate object. But, you know, I, I can't even create an inanimate object. Only God can do that. You see, God is so far beyond us. Well, anyway, Peter is the one, I say, probably more than anybody else who shows us what it means that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me explain. Last week, Pastor Brad was talking about Peter and all the rest came to Jesus and Jesus asked them a simple question. Who do people out there in the world say I am? And Jesus, or they answered, well, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist, come back from the dead, one of the great prophets. And Jesus said, okay, who do you say that I am? And that's the question. Not who does your neighbor say you, uh, Jesus is. Not who does your wife say Jesus is or your husband say Jesus is. Not who does you know, the resident atheist at the local community college say Jesus is. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ or Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood didn't reveal to you this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And you're going to have a do, you're going to have a name change. You're going to be Peter, Petra, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. You see, right in that little interchange between Jesus and Peter, Jesus said, "Peter, you understand who I am because my Father revealed it to you." Jesus called him his. He called God his Father. He actually told us to call God Father in the Lord's Prayer. And, and when you say, wait a minute, Father and Jesus is his son, so they're not the same. But then Jesus says to us in, in the book of John, the Father and I are one. And actually Philip said, you know, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're the same. They're different, but they're, you know, they're one God. Okay, so now we have Father and Son, but we don't have the Spirit. Where does the Spirit come into play? This is the key, because the Spirit comes into play in Peter's life much later. Because after Jesus tells Peter he's going to be you know, a new guy with a new name and a new purpose in his life, Jesus goes on to tell the twelve, don't tell anybody who I am. And then he says, and by the way, I'm going to Jerusalem, and when I get there, the religious leaders are going to arrest me, and then I'm going to be turned over to the Romans, and I'm going to be beaten and crucified. But don't worry, because on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, Peter, new name guy, the guy who's now the, the, the rock... He walks up to Peter and he starts to reprimand Jesus. I mean, reprimand Jesus. He says, heaven forbid, Lord. No way. This is never going to happen to you. You see, Peter was, even though he had God the Father, you know, wisdom from the Father, he had Jesus the Son right in front of him. Peter's thinking like a human being. In fact, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Whoa, here's Peter. All of a sudden, you know, Jesus has been just laying affirmation after affirmation on him. And all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're Satan. You're the devil. You're the devil? From here to here, right? I mean, what Jesus is saying, Peter, if I think like you think, it's like putting cement shoes on my feet and putting me in the bottom of the Jordan River. My ministry's over because I have to die. Peter thought, like everybody else thought in Jesus' day, that the Messiah was going to deliver the Israelites from their bondage to the Romans and the Israelites were going to be front and center again, head of the universe. But that wasn't Jesus' plan the first time. And so Peter, the testifier, not yet, 
I'm going to give you three words that you're never going to forget after you leave here today. That testifier is the third one, okay? He's not yet a testifier. He's a, de- he's a liar. Peter's a liar and a denier. What do I mean by that? Well, the night before Jesus was crucified, he gathered the guys together for what we call the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny three times you've ever known me. And, G- and Peter stands there and goes, no way. Man, I, I don't care what these guys do, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll go to prison and death with you. I'll never deny you. That's a lie. That was a lie. Peter thought he was telling the truth, but he was telling a lie. You see, what happened when push came to shove and Jesus got arrested and they took him uh, you know, to the Romans, Peter followed along behind, so did John. They came together and they were around a fire and, and somebody, a, a little slave girl says to Peter, weren't you with Jesus? Not me. Not me. And then somebody else says, surely you were with Jesus because you, you're a Galilean, you know. No, I, I never met the guy. Third time, you know, the, and, and he calls down a curse from heaven. He says, I swear I never met the man. And now I don't know if you know this, but in the Gospel of Luke only, it says, and Jesus looked at Peter. He was right there. Jesus was right there. He was all, you know, tied up and everything. He'd already been beaten. And, and, and G- Jesus is looking at Peter. So he's a liar. He's a denier. Now let's turn to us for, for a minute this morning. Have you ever told a lie or denied Jesus in your life? Ever done that? Anybody? Anybody who never told a lie or never denied Jesus? Raise your hand, would you? Huh, isn't that interesting? That's why Paul the Apostle would write these words, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all liars. We're all deniers. That's just the way it is. Peter was a liar and a denier, but something happened. After Jesus was crucified... After he rose from the dead, he gathered with the disciples. He reinstated Peter. In other words, he said, you're part of the group again, Peter. And then, after he did that, right before he went back to heaven, he said, guys, the Holy Spirit's coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power, and you're going to be my testifiers, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is the cool part, because the liar, the denier... After the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he became the testifier. He stood up in front of thousands of people on the day of Pentecost, and he said, this Jesus you crucified, he's God. He is God. And he kept saying that. You know how long he kept saying that? (laughs) Until they crucified him upside down. He never stopped saying it. Because the Holy Spirit was in his life. Now, here's the thing. Here's today's take-home point. For those of you who are new, we have one point we're seeking to make every week, and here's this week's take-home point. The Holy Spirit anchors our actions... When we give him control, the Holy Spirit anchors our actions when we give him control. That's what happened in Peter's life. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was in Peter's life. And when that happened, when the one God in three persons filled up his life, he stopped being a liar. He stopped being a denier. And he became a testifier for the rest of his life. Everywhere Peter went, everywhere he went, he told people, about Jesus. And when people said, you got to shut up, Peter said, I, I'm not shutting up. I will never shut up. You're going to have to shut me up. And, and you know, the interesting thing is all of those disciples, same thing. Where were the rest of the disciples the night that Peter was denying? They were all hiding. They weren't even, they didn't even have enough guts to go with Jesus. But after Jesus rose from the dead, after the Holy Spirit came, all of a sudden you have all these folks and you cannot shut them up. You have to kill them. In fact, Paul said for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because 
their lives were transformed by the one true and living God. Now, here's the thing. Some of you this morning, well, actually, some of you who are here this morning just got baptized last night, and you made some promises. You said, I'm going to follow Jesus. In fact, what you're really saying is, I'm not going to deny Jesus. Now, here's the thing. You have been liars. You have been deniers. So have we all. But are you going to be testifiers? And, and the Apostle Paul gives us a scripture. Everybody needs to know this scripture. Actually, you should memorize this scripture. It's Galatians chapter 5. starts in verse 16. We're going to look at it right now. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open them up because you're going to want to you know, underline this passage. If you have your, you know, your little uh, phone thing, whatever, version or Bible Gateway, whatever it is. You know, look up Galatians 5.16. If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. And the Apostle Paul says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But... When you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this key to living our lives in such a way that you are glorified every moment, not just sometimes. God, fill us all with your Holy Spirit right now. And fill us every moment of our lives so that we can do your will and not our will. So that we can become like Peter, not liars, not deniers, but testifiers throughout our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here is the most important thing I'm going to say today. If you want to live your life, if I want to live my life in a way that will glorify God all the time, we have to acknowledge that there's the Holy Spirit in us and my sinful nature is still in me. Your, holy, your sinful nature is still in you. So there's the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature. And what did it say? It said they're in a war, a battle, a fight. These two, the Holy Spirit and me. Sinful nature of Chris Marshall. And we're in a fight. And how long does it say this fight lasts? The rest of our lives. It goes on for the rest of our lives. There's not going to come a day when you're going to wake up or I'm going to wake up and we're going to go, well, don't have to worry about sin anymore. Don't have to worry about lying anymore. Don't have to worry about denying anymore. Because every single day of our lives, the Holy Spirit and us are going to be in a battle. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. It's a simple, it's not a hidden, you know, it's no trick question. It's an easy question, all right? If the Holy Spirit and Chris Marshall have a fight, who's going to win? Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit, he's God, and Chris Marshall have a fight, then I don't have a chance. He's God. But here's the problem. The Holy Spirit in this fight, he's just waiting for me to give up. He's waiting for me to say, I am no longer going to exercise my sinful nature. I'm going to stop being a liar. I'm going to stop being a denier. And I'm going to be a testifier because the Holy Spirit is in me. And he is, I'll just use, pinning me. Okay? I'm not in control. He's in control. In fact, the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, at the end of you know, many years of serving Jesus, he said, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Christ is now in charge. And he could say the Holy Spirit's in charge. God the Father's in charge. Because how many gods are there? One. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. After you became a believer in Jesus Christ, did you ever deny Jesus? Did you ever you know, lie? 
I'm going to go way back to when I was a sophomore in high school and tell you something that happened when I was a sophomore in high school. I was sitting in math class and the teacher was out of the room. And I don't remember how I got a piece of chalk in my hand, but I had a piece of chalk in my hand. And my best friend was sitting over there at the front of the room. And so I decided it would be a good idea to throw a piece of chalk and hit him in the head. So I never was really accurate with my throw. And whenever I threw it, it went out the door and the principal happened to be walking by and it hit him in the back of the head. So... Needless to say, the principal was not very happy. He got to pick up the chalk. He turned and he looked into the room. He, uh, he uh, sort of calculated the trajectory based on how he got hit, where he got hit, you know. And the thing is, I was a good kid in school. You know how the good kids, that the, the teachers and the principal think you couldn't do anything wrong, you know. Well, that was me. And, well, I wasn't, but that's what they thought. So anyway, the kid in front of me, though, he was not a good kid. And the principal figured out almost right where the chalk had come from. He came to Paul, the kid sitting in front of me. He said, did you throw that chalk? And Paul told the truth. No, I didn't. He said, who did? And Paul lied. He said, I don't know. So there I was. The principal was right there. And all I had to do, if I was really going to follow Jesus and be a testifier, all I had to do is say, I cannot tell a lie. I did it, right? Do you think I did that? Nope. And that was back in the days when people were allowed to paddle people really hard. And our, our principal had a black belt in judo. I don't know if that made him a tough guy or not, but we all thought he was a tough guy, and he had a reputation for paddling really hard. So he says to Paul, let's go down to my office. Let's see if we can figure this out. So Paul went down, and like 20 minutes later, I actually stood in the hall waiting for Paul to come out, and I said, what happened? He said, well, he kept saying, did you do it? I kept saying, no. He, he said, well, who did it? I kept saying, I don't know. I said, you mean you never told him? He goes, no, I didn't tell him. I said, what happened? He goes, what do you think happened? So he took the wax for Chris Marshall because Chris Marshall, the Christian, the follower of Jesus, decided to lie and deny instead of testify, right? Now, why do I tell you that story? Because when the sinful desires of our lives take over, the Holy Spirit stands back and bad things happen, okay? In fact, if you look at the passage that we were just in, it continues in verse 19 by saying, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, because I didn't want to get a paddling. You know, I wanted to feel good. I didn't want to hurt. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone who living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So does that list sound familiar to anybody? Does anybody ever, did anybody ever do anything on that list? Don't raise your hand, okay? I, I know. You know, all of us have done some of the things on this list, and some of us have done all the things on this list, right? Because even after we trusted Jesus, that's the thing. Even after we trusted Jesus, we have still done these things. In fact, some of us do them every day, and we can't seem to stop. And American Christianity is often so weak because here's what happens. American Christianity says, if you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you get saved and God forgives all your sins. He forgets him. He washes him away. He never thinks about him again. And that's true as far as, that's true as, far as our salvation goes. Once we are Christians, once we follow Jesus, Jesus is going to send us to heaven. Our sins are washed away. But here's the thing. Why did Jesus say... Why did Jesus say, after the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my testifiers if he planned for us to continue being liars and deniers? He didn't plan for that to happen. In fact, what he planned for us to, to do was to receive the power of the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis and live in that. It's interesting because it says, it says this. 
when the sinful desire is in charge, these actions happen. And they're, they're plural, they're multiple, they're, you know, and you might do one of them, you might do two of them, you might do all of them. And what's going to happen is God will not be glorified. God was not glorified when I was a sophomore in high school, and I didn't just say, I did it, and take the wax. In fact, I denied God in that. All right, but what Paul says as we continue to read, it says, but the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. It's singular fruit, not plural fruit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit, the one fruit in our lives, which will look like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says, there's no law against these things. When the Holy Spirit is in charge of our lives, what happens? The anchor, we've been talking about anchors in the storm, vital truths for a world set adrift. I mean, God, one, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's our anchor. But the fruit of the Spirit in our lives anchors us to these traits, these character traits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the kind of things that happen when we call on God, fill me up, fill me up. And we do it not just once in a while, but moment by moment. And it, it does take moment by moment. Because if I had called on the Holy Spirit in that moment when I got to chalk, <laughs> I wouldn't have thrown it, right? Maybe I wouldn't have had to chalk in my hand in the first place. But after I let go of the chalk, if the Holy Spirit was in charge of my life, when the principal came and said, who did it? I would have said, I did it. And I would have gone down and, you know what? He wouldn't have given me wax because I was a good kid. I'm serious. He would have said, Chris, you know, you really shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. And then he'd have let me go. It's not fair, but that's what happens. Right? We all know that. The good kids don't get the wax. Or what if at, I did get the wax and then I go out and everybody's going, why'd you do that? Because that's what Christians do. You see, either way it's a win. Because either I don't have a stinging butt and I'm a Christian or I do have a stinging butt and I'm a Christian. But that day I denied Jesus. And in our lives, that's what we do. We choose in this battle who wins. And the interesting thing is, as Paul closes out this little section, he brings together Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And then he says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So what's he saying? He's saying, if we belong to Christ Jesus, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we crucify the sinful desires of our lives the, the 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 sinful nature the flesh the old translations would call it you know get crucified nailed to the cross how did we do that well it's simple it's not easy but it's simple what we do is we say no no I'm not going to do that and you go Chris I can't do that neither can I that's why the Holy Spirit came so when we can't do it we call on the Holy Spirit to to empower us so that we stop whatever it is we want to stop or do whatever it is we need to do and so that we can be testifiers no more denier or I mean liar no more denier but a testifier that's what happened in Peter's life that's what happened in Paul's life and these guys you know they weren't special guys they were just guys I love it in James chapter 5 Elijah great prophet of the Old Testament it says in James chapter 5 Elijah was a man like us he put his sandals on one at a time. You know, he was not different. No special dust. He was just a regular guy. But the Holy Spirit of God was in him. And in the Old Testament, it was just a few people that had that. But in the New Testament, after the day of Pentecost, every Christian, every believer in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And so we have the opportunity to live in power instead of in weakness. Now here's the thing. I love this song. In fact, I asked Brad to sing the song that we sang right before uh, I, I preached today. And it's called Give Me Faith. And the, the lines that I love are these lines. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail. My God, you never will. Now, I would change those words. I am weak. Not I may be weak. I am weak. But your spirit's strong in me. And guess what? He's stronger in me every single day. Because for 45 years now that I've been a follower of Jesus, you know, after those kind of things, I mean, how long have I regretted that I didn't tell the truth when I was a sophomore in high school since that day? I still remember it. There are things that I still regret. Has Jesus forgiven me for that? Sure he has. But you don't get a reward for doing stuff like that. You get a reward for following the will of God in your life. And so anyway, I may be weak. No, I am weak. I don't know about you, but I am. And then it says, my flesh may fail. No, I would say my flesh will fail. It does. It always has. My flesh isn't any stronger than it ever was. In fact, here's the thing everybody needs to understand. I know people, and they say, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit telling lies. I'm going to quit blank. You put the blank in there, whatever it is. I'm going to quit this, all right? And so they... they grit it out and they don't drink for a day and they don't drink for a week and they don't drink for a month and they don't drink for a year. They don't tell a lie for a day. They don't tell a lie for a week and then they probably lie. But anyway, but the point is we go so long and what happens when we succeed in our own power? We get puffed up with pride. The worst thing that can happen in our lives is we get good at being good. That's the worst thing that can happen in our lives is that we get good at being good because then we take the credit instead of God. You know, when I started preaching, I used to read my manuscript and lose my place. And when I lost my place, I would look up and I'd go, excuse me. And then I would look down and I would find my place. And then I'd start reading again. And then I'd look up and I'd go, excuse me. And I would look down. And after about four times of hearing that, Nancy, who was my girlfriend at the time, said, Chris, we don't know what you're going to say. If you would just stop saying, excuse me, we would think you're intelligent and you're just thinking for a moment. <laughs> and it worked. People thought I was a better preacher right away, okay? Now, am I a better preacher? Yes, because I've worked at it really hard. But the bottom line is, I don't really care how I preach. I care how you receive what I'm saying. I care that your lives change. You see, I don't care about me. I care about you because I know that some of you are sitting out there going, hey, I'm succeeding. I'm a good guy. I'm a good woman. I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And you're getting puffed up like the Pharisees who crucified Jesus. And others of you are sitting there, I haven't ever succeeded at anything. I'm worthless. Both of you are wrong. You see, you are not worthless. And you're not all that. I'm not worthless and I'm not all that. You see, the thing is, God is all that. And he said, he said, that we are worth one Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for me. And once we know Jesus, we can stop being liars and we can stop being deniers and we can start being testifiers. And Peter got better and better and better at it. And Paul got better and better and better at it. And I think a lot of you in the room are getting better and better and better at it because you're finally realizing, you know what? <laughs> I can't do this thing called life. Out there in the real world where people are lying at me, I want to lie back. When people are hitting me, I want to hit back. When people are, you know, going to paddle me, I don't want to get paddled. 
So I want to do the thing that will make me feel best. And what I'm learning, and I won't say I've learned, but what I'm learning is, in those situations, the proper response is to call on the Holy Spirit, on God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I need you right now because I'm going to mess this up again. Right? Ever been there? (laughs) Now, some of you in the room, I know, some of you in the room, every week it's this way, you have never said to Jesus, to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I even admit you exist. Some of you have never said, I want you in charge of my life. Most of us probably have not been living in the power of the Holy Spirit because we've been saying what most American Christians say. Well, Jesus will just forgive me. He will. He will. But is that what we want? Is we just want to be forgiven? Or do we want to live victorious lives? Do we want to go out there in the real world and be victorious? Because Paul the Apostle, I love Romans 7 and Romans 8. You should read those chapters because in Romans 7, Paul goes, goes man, I want to do these good things, but I don't do them. I, I don't want to do these bad things, but I do do, do them. I, I just can't help it. It's me. It's a sinful nature. In fact, in the book of Romans chapter 7, 27 or 28 times, depending on the English translation you use, Paul uses the words, I, me, and my. I am a woeful, pitiful piece of whatever, right? But in chapter 8, the very first verse of chapter 8 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you feel condemned, remember, read Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say, If we live in the power of the Spirit, we won't you know, gratify the desires of the flesh. 17 times in, the, in Romans chapter 8, we read the word, the Holy Spirit. So do you want to live in chapter 7 or do you want to live in chapter 8? I want to live in chapter 8. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I going to fail? Yes. So what do I do when I do that? Well, I admit it. I admit that I failed and I say, I need you to fill me up again. And the next time the opportunity comes, remember, crucify the deeds of the flesh, the sinful nature, and call on the Spirit. Because when you're led by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And when you're led by the Spirit... There's no law against it. Did you remember what Paul said? When we live in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, he says there is no law against such things. There isn't. Well, not in any normal, rational place there isn't. And so, if you've never trusted Jesus, it's very simple, not easy, but simple. You say, Jesus, come in. God, come in. Take over. I've screwed life up. I want to... I want to not screw it up anymore. I want you to be in charge. And I know that there's going to be this fight for the rest of my life. But I at least want you on my side. I at least want you in there fighting for me. So come in and take over. And when you do that, and if you do that right now in this very moment, your life is forever different. And you can go on living in the flesh or you can live in the spirit. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. We get to choose. Moment by moment, who's going to win? The Holy Spirit or us? And we all know how ugly it is when we win, don't we? And we all know how beautiful it is when the Spirit wins. I tell you what, I could not wait since last Sunday morning when I was sitting right down there and that, this idea came to me of liar, denier, testifier. I couldn't wait to get up here today. Because this is so powerful. In fact, I want you to say, I'm going to say it and then I want you to say it after me. I'm no liar. I'm no denier. I'm a testifier. Okay, let's try that again. Let's pretend we're in a black church for a minute, all right? 
I'm no liar. I'm no denier. I'm a testifier. Okay, that feels good. And that might just be flesh. Because sometimes it feels good to cheer. I mean, we cheer on the sports teams, you know, it feels good, right? But if that came from the Holy Spirit, if that came from the Holy Spirit, this is a, this is a, this is a pivotal moment in our lives. Because this many people going out into, you know, Butler County and Allegheny County and Armstrong County, whatever county we're around this week, it's going to change. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, right? Okay, let's be it. And we can only be it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the commitment. It's a simple commitment. I will let the Holy Spirit fill and empower me this week. If you just ask Jesus to come into your life and be in charge, this will be your first week of getting to do that. Let the Holy Spirit come in and empower you this week. If for the rest of us, if we've been doing this, maybe it will be the best week we've had in a long time because we're going to continue to grow in that. And when we stumble, we will let Jesus pick us back up again because he's all that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share the truth and the love that you give us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we glorify you. And right now, I simply pray that you will empower us, fill us anew. Let the Spirit flow in us and through us and out of us to a hurting world that's set adrift, that you may be glorified and your kingdom grow. In Jesus' name, amen.